Mic check. One, two, one, two. Yo, what's up, man? Is this thing on? <laughs> We're the Queued Up Podcast on Podcast, your weekly source for podcast news, tips, and tricks. From production to promotion and everything in between. I'm John Luckenball. And I'm Matthew Stevens. Two podcast experts ready to help you every Wednesday. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Queued Up Podcast on podcasting. As always, I am Matthew Stevens and I'm joined by my wonderful, lovely co-host, John Luckenball. John, how are you doing this week? I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> it's good, man. I'm, I'm doing great. Uh, coming off the Podcast Movement Conference and uh, yeah, it's exciting. Absolutely. We're going to be talking about the Podcast Movement Conference for those people that were there or those people that, like ourselves, who had a virtual ticket, got a chance to watch things from the comfort of our own homes, our own chairs. We're going to be talking a little bit about a new podcast that is coming out uh, from maybe one of your favorite bands. We've got local radio stations are including podcasts into their uh, schedule and their lineup. We're going to be talking about PodTracks. July numbers. So we're going to go over some of that stuff. iHeart's quarterly revenue report, Megaphone's uh, new insights that they're going to be offering, as well as Fireside and Libsyn's new alliance, new little partnership. But first, John, let's start off with another Fireside thing. For those people that maybe either tuned into the panel or have just heard the commotion since, uh, if you're listening to this, chances are you're a podcaster, so you've been up on the news already. Mark Cuban said some interesting things at that fireside chat uh, at his panel. To give the quick overview, Cuban basically said that podcasting is still at 1.0 and the only way to monetize was to, quote unquote, lying your ass off to secure sponsorships. Uh, John, those are pretty strong words from a billionaire. Do you hold a whole lot of weight in them? No, he sounds old and senile. So, John, one of the issues that I have is that Mark Cuban, obviously, his comments are designed to elicit a reaction, and they do. Mm -hmm. Clearly, we're talking about it. Yeah. We're not going to talk about it beyond this point, mainly because Cuban's both right and wrong, but you have to look at it from a different perspective, which is he's, he's marketing. That's, that's all this is. It's this Bingo. 100% all this <laughs> is. He's a, there's no reason for a billionaire to be on that stage beyond please go ahead and adopt my product so that way I can make more money. I mean, billionaires don't get become billionaires because they show up to podcast conferences and give away free advice. And then furthermore, one of Cuban's biggest complaints is that, again, to quote him, lying your ass off to secure sponsorships is the only way you're going to monetize your podcast, according to Mark Cuban. But then you look at his wonderful firesidechat.com website, and great, we've got a bunch of text and some emojis. Cool. Cool. So how is that helping me monetize my podcast, uh, Mark? Yeah. It's, it's not is the answer. And he's one of a billion apps out there right now that do the same exact thing. That's it, man. It's marketing. It's, it's all of this was designed to elicit this reaction so that we're talking about it. That way you go on firesidechat.com, you sign up, you get yourself an account, and maybe you keep it, maybe you don't. The early adoption is going to matter so much to, to the success or the end of Fireside. But I also have to say, John, we covered this in a recent episode. Does no one Google search things before they name a company or a podcast? <laughs> There's two Firesides. Yes, there is. Come on, guys. What are you doing, man? Well, what he should have done is instead of 
make an alliance with Lipson, he should have made an alliance with the Fireside Hosting Company, right? <laughs> you can actually see their audience analytics that they provide, unlike Fireside Chat, which I'm guessing it's all based off of Lipson's analytics, which is probably the reason why they created an alliance, right? I mean, that'd be my guess. But again, I'd love to see more about it. And unfortunately, I can't because their website sucks. So it's not like it's super useful. And now, I granted, I know they're in beta right now and people are getting access to it uh, like on an invite basis. But again, take this for what it is. is Mark Cuban came out to a stage, said, hey, look at me, said some stuff that makes you look at him in order to adopt this thing. I mean, it, it, it's pretty classic marketing. But it doesn't make a ton of sense either. And again, I'll, I'll say this, and I'll get some flame on my end on this for sure. I think Mark is is technically correct in some ways. Podcasting hasn't really developed a ton. I mean, yeah, there are more companies out there that do discovery. There are more apps out there than there ever were before. People are, are, are companies are buying up other companies and they're producing more content. We're getting more podcasts. But as a whole, I mean, it still is very much the same thing, which is what we're doing right now, John. You get in front of a microphone, you speak into it, you hit publish, done. Not much has changed there, but Fireside isn't fixing that either. No, it doesn't. But what really needs to change for podcasting? I mean, podcasting works. I mean, 1.0 works. 2.0 works. Yes, like you said, some of the tools have changed. We've progressed in the ways that we discover, the ways we cross-promote, the ways, you know, it, it has definitely evolved in that way. But as far as podcasts the foundation of podcasts no it hasn't changed but does it need to well exactly the core is always going to be the core how it gets distributed how it gets discovered how it gets monetized that stuff will change as technology comes into the medium and as things change there but even that we hear all the time that this company is going to quote unquote revolutionize podcasting what there's been hundreds of companies since 2005 like mark cuban wants to mention here that have said they're going to revolutionize podcasting how many can you actually count that have, again, revolutionized podcasting? The answer is none. Not a single one is revolutionized in it all. That's just it. So social audio, Fireside, is it any different than Clubhouse? And what will that really do for podcasting? Yes, social audio and having some instant feedback would be awesome. But like Clubhouse, I just don't see it as a huge game changer for podcasts. If your podcast relies heavily on interviews or panel discussion and uses podcasting only to distribute, then it could potentially be useful for your audience to have access to live and exclusive discussions. However, if you produce a narrative or story-driven podcast, especially with immersive sound design, producing a proper podcast requires the highest quality audio, and that is something these social audio programs can't compete with podcasting. I might be a little bit old man here right now, but I think one of the reasons why social audio is such a hot-button thing and why it's being pushed to podcasters so so heavily is because when you're doing a live show, you get a chance to see how many people are actually listening. And that is, if we go back to the science of it, if we go back to the, the psychology of things, it's that dopamine rush of like, oh, I got people listening live. Oh, this is so exciting. When in reality, is it any more than what you were getting with your standard podcast? Do we, are we going to, we're going to cover some of the numbers, the top podcasts, top 50 podcasts, pod tracks thing. Uh, are any of them using Clubhouse, Fireside, Facebook audio, Twitter audio to, to do the podcast? No, clearly not. So has it changed? Has it done anything to podcasting beyond 
pardon the terms here, but some self-important people who go, oh, I got a bunch of people listening on Clubhouse kind of patting themselves on the back. The answer is no. Are people monetizing their Clubhouse streams? No, not really. Not any more than they would be with an internal podcast or a private podcast that you could host on Patreon or that you could go ahead and sell tickets to. It does nothing new. Social audio as a whole is much like all of social media, which is the same things we've always been doing, just maybe made a little bit easier. They tap into the psychology, again, that dopamine rush that you get from having uh, acceptance, from having people that are around you listening to you in that way. It's the same thing I've seen. I've done enough of these live uh, uh, podcasts on, on Facebook Live. When you see 150 people on there, you're like, oh, this is so exciting. We got 150 people. I've got a show now. It, it, it's fun. It is fun. But does it change anything with your podcast? Absolutely not. And in most cases, as we've seen on Clubhouse, rooms are are full. Not much is happening there. None of that is being turned into podcasts later on. So it's a one-off type of thing. Maybe it evolves. Maybe social audio changes in the next handful of years and develops into that. But let's stop going ahead and, and putting a crown on social audio's head and saying, this is the future of podcasting. Until somebody's making a million dollars off their Clubhouse stream, I don't want to hear it. The one difference between Fireside and, and Clubhouse would be the alliance with Libsyn that would allow them to be distributed to a lot wider audience to be able to put those onto your podcasting platforms. So that might make a difference in social audio, but as far as in podcasting, I don't believe so. But even that is the obvious logical step it's all it's really removing is like what we're doing right now john i have audacity recording what i'm saying all it's doing is taking that element out of it and then it's a click of a button so yeah it's easier again there's less that you need to do you have to be less tech savvy in order to go ahead and use that but again it doesn't change anything it's it's not suddenly this crazy thing where i can put out a dozen podcasts a week i mean not really you still have to do all the normal stuff you would do into it your research your pre-production Chances are, again, unless you're using high quality uh, equipment, and not a lot of people are, if we're being real, even the people that are doing normal podcasts, Clubhouse and, and Fireside and all these aren't going to be any different. It's going to be a lot of telephone recordings. It's not pushing podcasts forward in any way, shape, or form. Again, Mark Cuban came out there. And on another point, I think we should all be a little bit upset at podcast movement for giving this guy a giant stage for an hour uh. to then sit there and pat himself on the back about how he's changing podcasting. When again, it hasn't changed anything with podcasting yet. It doesn't look like it's going to change anything with podcasting yet. It, they don't even have a bunch of users to be able to give us a case study on how this has helped anybody else out. And unfortunately, Podcast Movement had its own issues with hosts mm -hmm. and, and incorporating their app and their virtual ticket compared to their live ticket and answering questions, and people having their microphones turned on to begin with. I get it. You need to bring in the money, and I'm sure Fireside Chats gave you a, a ton of cash. Awesome. I think that's fantastic. We should all be a little bit frustrated at a podcast conference that was effectively just a marketing campaign for a handful of apps out there, Fireside being the biggest one, of course. Ding, 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 ding. That's a winner right there, Matt. Completely agree. Again, going to include this in whatever audiograms we have out there, but I want to say Podcast Movement did an awesome thing. I, I Congratulations to them. I, the difficulty of hosting a live event anytime, much less during this, of having virtual uh, uh, tickets, being able to do all that stuff, that is a feat. Yeah. Uh, I give all the credit to them, and it seems like it was a really awesome event for those people that were in, in person, got a chance to go ahead and meet a lot of other podcasters and network and do 
some great stuff there. A lot of the panels were fantastic, gave a lot of information. But out of all the panels you had, one of them was just a marketing campaign. And that's that irks me a little bit when you're charging money to go ahead and then market to me. That's that's frustrating. And it's not like that conversation with Mark Cuban gave any new insights on how to podcast better, how to monetize your podcast better. It's frustrating. It's frustrating to see that. What well, wasn't just Mark Cuban's either, right? There was a couple other that we sat in that were. <laughs> yeah, we 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 won't go naming names on that one. Mark Cuban, I'm sure, can take the take the slam. He's gonna weep uh, and and dry his eyes with his billions of dollars. But yeah, th- there were a few other ones where it's like, oh man, all right, you guys are really trying to sell me. Uh, I, I appreciate this. Cool thing I'm taking an hour out of my day and our money to listen to you go ahead and do an ad pitch yeah. sweet <laughs> and again this is always the issue with any conference but it is difficult when you're talking about like the only podcast conference around and for them to in a way kind of sell out there it's it's a tough pill to swallow again especially since this app isn't even launched yet guys no one knows what this thing's going to do or what it's not going to do and if history is any indication it's not going to do very much so, all right, well, now that I'm done ripping on Mark Cuban, again, Mark, if you want to come onto this podcast and defend Fireside, feel free. Uh, we're going to charge you $100,000 to do so because um, we're just going to turn it into a giant marketing uh, campaign, ad campaign for you. But but we got you, man. All right, let's dive into Megaphone's new insights since we were talking about how analytics and some really cool things uh, are happening and, and maybe how that might push podcasting forward out of 1.0, Mark Cuban. welcome to the theme of this episode is everything's gonna be a rip on mark cuban megaphone launched their new insight tool john looks like it gives you a a ton of new audience insights powered by nielsen which is pretty cool in order to figure out what your listener demographics interests and behaviors are pretty awesome right yeah i mean it offers publishers a real-time look at their listeners demographics interests and behaviors as well as compare trends year over year across a podcast network or an individual show-by-show basis. So for instance, Megaphone says that their audience segment data would show details like job seeker, tech adopter, or even dog owner, which, you know, the data is also platform agnostic, which means publishers will have comprehensive listener insights across their entire audience, no matter which listening platform their listeners prefer. I think it looks really great here. Are you looking at the Megaphone dashboard site? I am. I am. I've used Megaphone in the past uh, when I was at Locked On for a little bit. A really awesome platform. I give them, again, a ton of credit for what they've done and the fact they're now you know, increasing their how granular their analytics go is something that I've, I have chirped about this entire time that I've been on this podcast, John, is I want more analytics. I want to know these things. Now, that being said is Look, if I run a business podcast, I don't care how many people are fitness enthusiasts or PC gamers or travelers. Some of that stuff is like, all right, you can get into the minutia of these stats and it's not going to help you out at all. I want to know where people are coming from more so than, you know, they've got $35,000 in disposable income and they like pets. (laughs) (laughs) Not so helpful to me personally, but... The audience segmenting between uh, dog owners and avid gamers and stuff like that i think that would be more helpful for finding your advertisers you know who should you find to advertise on your show if our podcast is listened to by 90 percent of dog owners well one i think we're doing something i think we're doing something <laughs> wrong but maybe we should go get a purina to, to, to <laughs> the, the purina sponsorship in the middle of the podcast uh, yeah 
<laughs> now, message for our sponsors. Woof, woof. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I, now, John, I mean, you're 100% right there. This this is really more geared to your advertisers, your salespeople in that regard, especially for networks. And Megaphone does deal with a lot of network stuff, a lot of the upper end podcasts in terms of downloads. So it makes a ton of sense for them. For your average independent podcaster who is maybe like 100, 200, 300 listeners an episode, probably not going to help you out a ton. You're not going to go to Purino and go, Hey, give me 10K an episode because I've got 90% dog owners. But we were talking about with Mark Cuban. Uh, I hate to bring him up. I love bringing him up, actually. Let's be real. Monetizing your podcast is clearly one of the sore points in podcasting still. By having these types of analytics, we will, again, start seeing networks incorporate this stuff a lot more. But then we're going to start seeing it trickle down to independent podcasters over time, making it easier for you as an independent podcaster to monetize your podcast, whether that be through uh, like a mid-roll or, or an ad service where you can sign up for almost like a, a Google ads type of thing where you put in your, your demographics and that will match you up with advertisers who are, again, maybe giving you a few bucks here or there, a little something. We're still some years out for this is my guess, but anytime that we start dealing with more analytics, especially on the sales side, especially on the ad side, we will start to see monetization take more of a forefront over the next few years. And again, trickle down to independent podcasters, which is really what will make podcasting 2.0, not the, the, the platform podcasting 2.0, but truly will take it to the next level is when you're at 100 listeners and you can make a few bucks like you're on YouTube. Matt, I know one of the things you always talk about is being able to look at the analytics and the, the KPIs and everything. and make changes based off of what you're seeing. Now, the one thing that Megaphone says is that you can do real-time tracking. So you can make these monetization and content strategy adjustments more on the fly. What's the difference between that and what we're seeing currently from maybe some of these hosting platforms? Admittedly, a lot of the platforms that we've used for various clients aren't real-time by any stretch of the imagination. And some of the numbers are a little less believable, I'll say, with some of the certifications that are out there and some of the things that you see and the way that they, other platforms give you your analytics, give you your numbers. I'm not too sure how much real-time analytics will be super helpful for podcasters because it's not like a blog post where I can go in there and go, okay, cool. It's not getting conversions on this. I can then tweak this stuff. I can change the copy. I can add a new photo in, do that. It's not going to be as easy for podcasters to go in and re-edit your podcast episode to then put it out there in quite the same way. But the fact that there is some real-time element to it, maybe if you are, again, a, a larger podcast that deals with the tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of downloads, maybe that will become a little bit more useful to you where you can make some of those changes and maybe dictate, hey, like this ad isn't doing as well in this spot. Let's push it up five minutes. You know, that type of stuff, I think, will probably be more useful than it will be as a pure audience demographic style of, of looking at it. Again, one of the things that I want to see, and, and we have a long ways to go with this because of the way that podcasting is set up, I want to know where people are coming from. I don't really care if they're dog owners. I don't really care if they're fitness experts. Not really. I want to know, did they come from this blog? Did they come from this social media channel? Did they come from this Facebook group? Did they come from our blog? Did they come from you know, wh where did the audience members come from? So that way I can spend my time focusing my attention on those avenues a little bit better. 
again, we're still not there, and and I don't know if we ever will get there, just because again, everything goes through primarily Apple and Spotify, who aren't going to give up that information all that easily. That's that's kind of their proprietary information. That's why they're worth as much as they are, because that's theirs and they collect that stuff. So I don't know if we'll ever get there, but uh, the real time aspect. Yeah, John, it probably sounds cooler than it's actually useful, to be real with you. One company that might actually be able to find a little bit more use out of this would be iHeart. Obviously, one of the largest networks out there when it comes to podcasting. iHeart's podcast revenue made a giant leap during the second quarter, John, uh, up to 152% uh, from a year ago to $53.4 million in the second quarter. For the first half of the year, the company says, Podcasting revenue for them grew 147% to $91.8 million. It's not too bad. They're, they're nearing the $100 million mark for a half a year. Uh, pretty impressive for a, a network like that. These are really impressive numbers. And we were actually able to see on the report that the podcast department was the one that grew the most for them over the last quarter. And that's something, John, we've talked about repeatedly with iHeart that they seem to be investing more and more money and time and effort into podcasting. And it's becoming a, a much larger portion of their uh, you know, inventory, basically, of, of their schedule releases as they start maybe pushing away from traditional AM, FM radio. And John, we've seen this all over the place that a lot of these radio stations are just turning to podcasts, basically. Uh, they're just licensing podcasts in order to put them on there. The audience is clearly there. In a lot of cases, and iHeart's certainly one of the biggest purveyors of this, it's a lot of television and film stars that are your hosts of these things. They're easy enough to produce. They're cheap enough to produce. And by licensing them, you don't need to have you know, major studios. You don't need to go ahead and get people in. You don't need to have as many issues. You can pre-record all of this stuff, edit it down to the time that you need it, put in whatever ads you want to put in there, put in whatever music you want to put in there. In some cases, uh, again, Alice Cooper, his seven hours of radio every every evening is, I think, the model for this in, in a large way. The John Tesh Radio Hour is another one. Again, things that I'm not necessarily listening to, but here, clearly enough people are, and it must cost companies like iHeartMedia a lot less money to produce these things and to publish them or distribute them on their radio stations than it is for original content. So good for iHeart and being able to to boost up their revenue. Again, I think as we start to see over the next few years, we talked about it in recent episodes, John, the AM FM radio is still a large portion. I think it was 39%. We should see that drop time and time and time again as podcasts become a bigger part of AM FM radio. We're going to have to reclassify some of that stuff over time. So podcasting, there's money in it if you're a giant network for sure. Isn't that right, Mark Cuban? <laughs> Not only has iHeart's revenue grown, but in PodTrack's monthly ra- ranking, iHeart remained the, at the top for July again. They reached a unique audience of over 30 million with almost 229 million downloads and streams. NPR ranked second with over 19 million and almost 148 million downloads. So they're way ahead of the second place network. iHeart has been on top of PodTrack now for 10 consecutive months. And their CEO, Bob Pittman, said, we're beginning to get the flywheel effect of the success with our audiences. The more successful podcasts we have with the large audiences, the more effectively we're able to promote new podcasts 
and new episodes, helping to drive engagement and success for creators and advertisers. Matt, this makes sense because one of our prior episodes we had mentioned about iHeart, one of their keys to promotion success for their radio stations is having that large audience and having a massive amount of radio stations and shows to be able to continually promote on those shows over and over and over and over and over again, which helps grow their audience. Well, this is that flywheel that he's speaking of, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, again, going back to iHeart specifically on this is, yeah, when you have that many shows, and we talked about this beforehand, you throw enough stuff against the wall, something's going to stick, something's going to perform well, outperform your other shows. And then you use that as your your flywheel effect, your your marketing avenue in order to then go, well, hey, if you like this show, listen to all these other shows. Now, again, if you're iHeart Radio, 587 active shows, you're not listening to all of them off, but you probably have some categories that you can go, all right, look, if you like this true crime one, we've got other true crime ones. If you like this uh, style of podcast, we've got these other styles of podcasts. So they're able to kind of spread the wealth over there. Uh, which again makes a ton of sense for networks. So if you're a network that has more than one show, use your shows to cross promote your own shows. It's one of the best ways to get new podcast subscribers. And for if you're a network, it's free effectively. Uh, it doesn't cost you anything outside of maybe the voiceover work. But if you already have someone hosting a podcast, it seems like that should be included in there. Now, John, one thing that I noticed, uh, and, and this will be interesting to see your thoughts about this, but July, iHeart was at 30.384 million US unique a monthly audience. But in June, they were at 31.684, uh, almost 685 actually. So they actually dropped yeah. about a million listeners, a little over a million. And as you go down the list from June to July, they all dropped a pretty significant amount. Now, I wonder We've talked about it before, John. Podcast listening is still happening. Like That's not an yeah. issue necessarily. We're not seeing anything that, that goes against that. I wonder if maybe this has something to do with Apple's bug, if we're seeing some of that, and now we actually get a chance to see the measurable numbers, which is you know, a million on 30 million. That's what, one out of one out of 30? So not a huge percent, it's but not it's huge. a sizable percent. Or if listening is maybe down as people get back to work, and we saw that AM FM radio is starting to go back up a little bit uh, in, in a previous episode. We noticed that. So it's hard to tell exactly what's happening there. And until Apple fixes their stuff formally, which they still have yet to do, apparently. I mean, I would say it's definitely from the, the glitch in Apple Podcasts. So this month, PodTrack only saw four publishers have an increase in their download numbers. And only two saw an increase in their unique audience numbers. So it's down across the board. Yeah. PyTrack said that the unique monthly audience was down 6% for the top 20 publishers. It was down 7% compared to a year ago. Last month, PodTrack said June's data was also impacted by the Apple glitch. So they predicted that downloads would have grown by 5% compared to a year ago. It's, again, very, very interesting if you're out there and you're wondering why maybe your numbers are a little bit lower than what they should have been. Mm -hmm. Clearly, you are not alone. Now, if you're one of the handful of, of networks or podcast publishers that have seen a growth, uh, whoever is doing that deserves a raise, clearly, because yeah. <laughs> you are experiencing exponential growth on one of the other platforms that isn't the main one. And if I'm correct, I don't think PodTrack actually tracks Spotify either. So some of these numbers are, are 
take all of them with a grain of salt, as we've discussed previously, as well as iHeartRadio. Of course, the number one, they have 587 shows, like five times the next nearest active show number from any of these top publishers. So again, take all of this with a giant grain of salt, with a whole bag of salt, as a matter of fact. But the numbers do kind of point to a few different things, which is there's still tons of growth out there. There's still tons of audience out there that are listening to these things, that if you're a network, share your shows within your network. That should be an easy part of your marketing strategy. And that Apple is surely screwing all podcasters. So <laughs> there we go. I am I am all vinegar today. You are, man. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be baking any of those cookies today, man. They're good. <laughs> Just salt and vinegar today. So PodTrack also released your top podcast for the month of July. And for the 33rd consecutive month, the daily has remained at the top. That's almost three years, man. <laughs> That's, that's, that's crazy that they yeah. haven't been toppled once. The podcast with the biggest jump was Pushkin Industries Revisionist History, which moved from 23 to number 15. Do you see anything else on this list here that's interesting to you? Well, again, I, one thing I want to note is that they don't seem to, again, be including in Spotify's numbers. We know that Joe Rogan is pretty high up there, whether you like him or not. We know he's one of the top podcasts, if not the top podcast out there. But you got to, again, with PodTrack, if they're not including that stuff in there, all of these rankings are kind of meaningless, if we're being honest. When you talk about 22%, I think was the last time, this last number we saw with Spotify, they own 22% of the market share. That is a sizable amount when Apple, I think, was at 23%. So again, take all this with a certain grain of salt here, but... uh Congratulations to the daily on on getting it done. It's as we've talked about before, John. Content is king, but consistency is queen. And the daily is clearly has a king and queen over there. They're putting out great content on a regular basis, enough to where they have and are keeping their giant audience month after month, year after year. Now, Edison Research also released their top fifty U.S. podcasts for quarter two. Now that would take into account your Spotify and your Apple. As it says here, that it surveyed over 8,000 podcast listeners between quarter three of 2020 and quarter two of 2021. Now, this is almost, this would be for the last year up to the quarter two. What are you looking at on this list here? Well, again, Joe Rogan experienced number one on that list. The Daily still number two, which again is pretty, pretty important there. John, we looked at this list beforehand and we noted how many independent podcasts were on there. I believe there's five, which is, Awesome. Congratulations to the five that are there. Now that we've congratulated them, now that we've given everybody hope, eh, let's maybe look at some of those, what they call independent podcasts, John. You've got the Rush Limbaugh morning update. Okay, I guess you can call that independent, despite the fact that he has other things going on or had other things going on. Uh, Smartless, which was just bought out by Amazon. That's uh, sure that's independent. Okay. And what about these, some of these other networks that are listed? For example, this American Life list this american life but we know that it was bought by the new york times so you think they should be listening to new york times exactly and then you've got uh networks like the h3h3 productions which i would classify as independent granted they they might be a network they might have formed a company around it but it really all started with one podcast doing exceptionally well as an independent podcast and then creating other podcasts around it so Certainly there's that. Dave Ramsey show, again, the Ramsey Network. My idea here is that if your main show was so good that it spawned a network, you should be considered independent versus a lot of some of these other independent shows, which have 
major financial backing from, again, companies like Amazon or other radio stations and, and television networks that maybe you're technically independent, but man, I, I wouldn't classify him as that. So it is interesting, uh, again, as we look at this over a long period of time, maybe reclassifying what independent truly means. And, and in order to get a better idea of the podcasts and podcasters out there that are doing really cool things independently, they don't have a network backing them. They're earning their own money uh, through their own ads, through their own patrons, through their own sponsorship deals, rather than a network selling ads as a whole. Or again, shows that maybe have created a network simply because they've done so well that they can spawn off other shows in order to increase their offerings. I think it's worth taking a look at what independent truly means in podcasting over the next uh, rest of this year, really, uh, in order to find out is podcasting just dominated by networks truly, or are there independents? And then more importantly, what are the top independent podcasts out there? It is a major thing for podcasters right now to be looking for independent podcasts. I know Good Pods certainly highlights that stuff on their recent uh, update, their app. I would like to start seeing lists out there like this one that gives us the numbers, that gives us the rankings of truly independent podcasters versus seeing Joe Rogan at the top of every list all the time and the daily at the top of the list every single time. That sounds like a mini series that we should do coming up here, Matt. Hey, John, I'm, I'm all for it, man. Um, a mini series, a, a mega series, whatever you want to call it. But John, speaking about uh, the daily, which is what we started this whole thing on, local radio station adds the daily from the New York Times to its schedule. Podcast will air at 8 p.m. on WITF here in PA. So ooh, that's ooh. awesome. <laughs> I have worked there. I've worked there for that's a while. Awesome. Yeah. Fun place, awesome place, good people there. That's fantastic. And again, it shows the power of podcasting that, granted, the daily clearly number two on the list, number one on the list, depending on what list you want to look at. So, not an independent podcast by any stretch of the imagination, but again, starting to show that maybe radio stations are recognizing, eh, all right, maybe, maybe let's head in this direction. Let's start licensing and re airing some of this content. It makes a ton of sense for them makes a ton of sense for podcasters. So again, to push into future years, to look at uh, a projection, there might be a chance in the coming years to where your podcast, whoever you are out there, could be on a local radio station, could be picked up and syndicated in that way, uh, increasing your your discoverability, increasing your numbers, and helping you form a, an independent podcast that is maybe on one of these lists that we're talking about. So Good signs all the way around there. And again, I'm interested to see how AMFM radio handles this as they start getting taken over more and more by podcasting in the next few years. How do we classify that? How do we break that stuff down? Uh, and then more importantly, are radio stations just going to be single buildings where no one shows up? Everything's done remote effectively, or, or there's one dude in the, in the station pressing some buttons. But all it is is just they're taking a feed from Spotify and re rebroadcasting it curious to see how that's going to go before we end matt i have one really interesting new podcast coming out here are you a fan of metallica you know john i i am fun story time for those people out there i was a child at the teddy ruxpin time and i had master of puppets on cassette oh great, uh great and album. you pop that into teddy ruxpin and let me tell you it is an experience 
back oh, in the day. No. Teddy Ruck's been just rocking out. I need to see uh, that, man. A mile a minute. Uh, I need hilarious. to see that. That's funny. That's great. <laughs> so, so what's your favorite Metallica album? Sean, you won't believe this because this is a great segue. The Black Album. Mine too, man. <laughs> so the band will be celebrating the legacy of the Black Album, which is the best-selling record of the past 30 years. The best-selling record of the past 30 years. That's ridiculous. Anyway, in the celebration of the album, they have teamed up with Amazon and will be releasing an eight-episode series taking a look behind the scenes of the making of the Black Album. And it'll be called the Metallica Podcast. But if you look at the cover art, it also labels it as Volume 1. It makes me think that they might be covering more of their albums here in the future. So, I mean, they do have a lot of cool albums. They do have a lot. and They've, they've done a ton of behind-the-scenes content over really like the last decade between films and little documentaries, little videos they've put out, uh, different things like that. So certainly Metallica seems to be the most primed for this type of thing, but that's really awesome to maybe get some behind-the-scenes stuff of an album that is, you know, 30 years old. That makes me feel super old, John. Now, if they need any help with writing that, I did a report on the Black Album for one of my college courses way back when. If they need help remembering some of the behind-the-scenes stuff and the making of the album, perhaps the report, if I can find it, could be of use for them. There you go. <laughs> All right, Metallica. All right, Lars. Let's be honest. You're the one that's doing everything. Uh, Lars, <laughs> hit us up, man. We, we got you. We got, got you. <laughs> this is really cool. And again, one thing I always like to do is just show off the power of podcasting and, and the different things you can do with it. And, you know, not that other people haven't thought about behind the scenes content with this, not that other people haven't done this stuff, but this is awesome in the fact that I, I think not a lot of people would have assumed that this would be a podcast. That, yeah. that this would be something they could do uh, and that would make sense or something that you would want to listen to. But this opens up a lot of doors for a lot of a lot of older bands to do, uh, a lot of other content ideas. You know, even if you are in maybe a visual medium, behind the scenes content through a, something like this, a, a making of series certainly makes a lot of sense here. And maybe hopefully with Metallica doing well with this, we'll have to see. This will spawn some other very similar projects across the board and we'll, we'll get some again new and engaging and interesting and cool content coming into podcasting in this way so hats off to metallica congratulations guys 30 years that's a a hell of a amount of time yeah uh to, to be a band and to, to stuck together this long and uh i'm excited to see how this all uh, turns out what type of uh crazy content's in there all right folks this was uh, hopefully a wonderful episode for you all Quick recap, screw Mark Cuban, uh, iHeart's still number one, Libsyn's doing some pretty cool things, Megaphone's increasing their insights, we'll have to see how that turns out. Podcasts have both grown and, weirdly enough, shrunk, thanks to Apple, uh, and then local radio stations are adding podcasts left, right, and center, and now Metallica is releasing their own, I'll have to listen to that right next to the uh, Stephen King adaptation, put them back to back, that'll be interesting. Uh, so for you lovely ladies and gents out there, have a wonderful rest of your week podcasting and uh, do something creative, do something cool, do something new and share it with us on social media, queued up audio, or go to mypodcastagency.com to uh, maybe send us a, a, an email and see, you know, have us check out what your, your cool podcast is about 
We always love learning about new podcasts as well. That's all for today's podcast news, tips, and tricks. You can find us at mypodcastagency.com or on Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook at QDUP Audio. Make sure to share us with your podcast friends and follow us on your favorite podcasting app. Thanks for podcasting with us, and we'll talk to you next Wednesday.